0: Uh, My name is Bahay Ozkama, Group Managing Director and CEO of Parkway Corporate Limited, uh, listed on the ASX, and we are an industrial water treatment company.
1: Bye, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm, I like this one. I'm, I'm interested in this kind of services uh, I- industry around mining and industrials. Um, I think we're going to learn a thing or two today, I, s- I suspect, having done my homework. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Um, what's your background?
0: So, I have a science uh, commerce background, MBA, uh, been focused on uh, energy and uh, resources technologies for a long time. So, worked in commercializing technologies to improve the sustainability and, inf- and efficiency of a range of technologies. And in this case, very much focused on the water industry.
1: Right. Okay. How long have you guys been going? In this,
0: so pathway has been listed for about ten years. We we're initially a mineral exploration company focused on uh, fertilizer minerals. And I joined the company two and a half years ago, and really taking the company in a different direction. Matt. So we, I joined two and a half years ago, and now we're very much transitioning to sort of mining technologies and particularly. Um, The water element, so in terms of uh, water and wastewater generated from energy
1: mining. Right, and and what at that time led you to believe that that would be the right move? Um, Obviously, today, We're seeing a lot of chat around, you know, know, EV revolutions and kind of green thematics and, you know, carbon credits. And you know, it's it's very much today of of the moment. But two and a half years ago, what what led you to go down this track?
0: Always been interested in sustainability. So some of those sectors I'd worked in previously always had a sustainability angle. And I think it was very clear to see water's been very problematic for a long time. So in Australia uh, at the time. Of completing my undergraduate studies, sort of around 2000, there was a millennial drought in Australia. So uh, we had environmentalists talking about it never raining again and, you know, all very dramatic. So it really was, you know, the topic of the moment. So I always had a, a passionate interest in it. And it was very clear to me, sort of, about five to six years ago, that a lot of these challenges, trying to get, you know, new copper projects permitted, for example, or some of these tailings related sort of challenges that both on the raw water side or getting access to, you know, uh, feed water, and then also on the waste side, that this was only going to be an issue that was going to just get, you know, more and more complicated. And I think whilst, you know, the, uh, the SG concerns are very significant, I think this sort of is, it's a clear business risk. You know, if you look at the KPMG or EY sort of studies every year, surveys asking the miners, what are the biggest risks you see uh, to the viability of the operations? It's very much, you know, access to water, uh, and/or broader ESG-related risks.
1: Right. So let, let, let's look at the actual products, because you know, going through your presentations, you've you've gone over through a process of productizing them, kind of make it. You know, very was a technology company, right? It's you know, innovative water solutions as a solution to these different industries, which we'll talk about in a second. So, um, why 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 have you tried to you know paint the picture or, or you know write the narrative like that? Why, why is this going to be a technology company? Wasn't just a regular water services company?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, a key part of our business is this technology. So, we provide conventional water treatment. So, processes people may be familiar with, reverse osmosis, they're all uh, very important, almost commoditized sort of solutions. So, we are increasingly delivering those solutions as well. That's really a stepping stone. They're low margin. Uh, very difficult to differentiate yourself. And and we're very much focused on our own proprietary technology. So I actually joined the company by backing in a private company I founded. Uh, we'd spent nearly $10 million over 10 years incubating these technologies. And we've actually subsequently acquired a few more technologies. So for us, uh, we're interested in delivering uh, new technologies. But the reason we're sort of uh, frame this as a technology as a service, if you will, getting new technologies is very complicated. Getting Sorry, getting new technologies commercialized is very complicated. Being able to convince large risk averse companies to take on something new is inherently challenging. So, what we've sought to do from the beginning is align ourselves with a leading research organization, Victoria University, that is world recognized in this area of industrial water treatment. And similarly, we partnered with Wally several years ago, a global engineering company that's well recognized. So, what we've done is um, uh, develop a capability, if you will, where we can take these technologies, validate, pilot, and then deliver a solution, as opposed to uh, coming across as just a, you know, a university R and D outfit. This is very much sort of an industrialized commercialization capability we've developed.
1: Right, in layman's terms, because we we could we could get quite sciencey and lose a few people here, uh, and get quite technical and lose a few people here. In, most people would go water treatment. has brought us. Description. Um, it, it's it's very simple. You're talking about multiple applications from multiple industrial uh, sorry, in, in industries and uh, companies. So in, in terms of what you do, in terms of the treatment, from uh, I say there's a, there's a kind of very um, commoditized view of of what it what it involves. But for you guys, you're saying you're creating technologies and solutions fit for purpose. So w- what's the range of solutions that you're off- offering here?
0: So, we offer a very broad uh, range of solutions, and part of the reason is in order to be able to implement our particular um, uh, special source, if you will, that often requires pre-treatment or the application of other technologies as well. So, we made the decision 18 months ago. Rather than collaborate potentially with competitors, what we should do is, since these are low-cost, well-understood technologies, we should <coughs> – excuse me – we should um, – and develop those capabilities ourselves, and own provide more of a one-stop shop, if you will, in, opportun- in cases where we can apply our own technology. And I guess the one um, uh, important point I think worth making, Matt, is in relation to our uh, technology, we're very much focused on applications where there's a recoverable product, so beneficial uh, retreatments, uh, reprocessing, if you will. So, in a case where there's a tailings dam or an industrial waste stream. Often we're not interested in just providing a technical solution. Often these things aren't viable to treat. So we're very much focused on mining the waste, if you will.
1: Right. So, But, but maybe it might be worth getting in some some examples and some use, use cases. Um, where sure. Because I think it's important to actually understand, okay, here's what you do. This is the cost to you, the cost, cost of winning, cost of winning um, a, 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 a deal, the cost of and margins involved in those deals and how do you kind of scale those deals because you know if it's a very people intensive process margins tend to be lower um and the number of deals that you, you, you transactions that you do um you know how how do you get that scale and I'm, I'm I'm kind of intrigued
0: yeah so so, there's the, you're right. There is a whole spectrum of opportunities. So, when you're dealing with a lower margin, easy-to-sell um, product solution, it's very easy to target projects in the sub $100,000 range. And whilst we're developing capabilities in that area, we have a team of engineers, technical people, so it's easy for us to service those industries. But that's not, that's not our primary focus. That's more opportunistic. For instance, if it's a major mining company, we wish to build a relationship, we might take on that sort of work. But our target market really is, um, on the tech part of our business, nothing we're involved with is less than a $20 million project. These are large transformational projects. They're highly complex and they have uh, long lead times. And perhaps just to outline the value proposition here, for instance, a typical application may be a refinery. So it may be uh, processing some sort of, you know, copper, nickel. Uh, or it's going through and uh, producing some sort of waste that may contain some residual um, nickel sulphate, cobalt sulphate, uh, ammonium sulphate, whatever it happens to be after it's been stripped. And that then goes and sits in some sort of uh, tailing storage type of uh, facility. So there's all sorts of costs associated with storing that waste in terms of retreatment, in terms of monitoring. So some of our technologies enable us to treat those waste streams and recover additional reagents um, and chemicals and saleable products from that waste stream. So so the cost may be 2 ten, twenty $5, 10 $20 per cubic metre to treat that uh, waste, but the value we generate isn't just the uh, processing or the treatment, if you will. There's saleable products which almost always exceed the cost of processing. They're, they're the sorts of projects um, we're most interested in.
1: Okay, hang on. You said it's a twenty million dollars project. Twenty million dollars in what fees to you? Twenty million dollars of total fees, um, but not all attributed to you. I mean, because you, you, you know, I'm mean, looking, looking sure. at your PowerPoint. You said you have got one million dollar quarterly sales, right? You're a whatever. Let's say thirty million dollar Aussie company. So it, I, I'm just intrigued um, as to the, you know, how you identify which. Services you can sell, which which have a significant benefit to the person that's buying it from you, where you can, you know, in 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 a, in, a, in a very meaningful way, say the cost becomes insignificant. It becomes disconnected with the amount of time spent on it, and it's more about the benefit that you're delivering to that customer. So, again, talk to me how you focus your business. And you know what are those the, those key products given where you're at today?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So I guess the the initial number I referenced may have been a capex number, for instance. So these, given these are and it essentially, uh, we talk about water treatment, but in many ways these are hydrometallurgical sort of chemical plants. So they are relatively large, and if we're going to spend, as you're alluding to, the time to do the business development work and incubate these projects, you want to solve problems that are big enough. To be, you know, uh, move the needle for a public company essentially. So we've made reference to several projects that um, would deliver a net benefit to the customer, not necessarily cash flow to us, but net benefit to a customer in the order of fifty to one hundred million dollars a year. So these are these are very significant projects, um, and they're complicated projects, which sort of explains the gestation period. But I think um, earlier this year, we a month or so ago, we actually released uh, announced that we'd done a deal with Shell and. I think that project sort of provides a little bit of uh, insight into the types of partners, the scale of projects, and the sorts of business model. And if you if you like, I can sort of go into some of those metrics, which will give you a uh, you know good sense of what we're what we're building here. So essentially, uh, we announced about a month or so ago that we uh, were awarded a feasibility study by Shell. And without sort of going into the backstory of we'd been in in. In collaboration for nearly two years, so that's that's quite a long process to be able to perform, ver- <coughs> excuse me, various piloting studies, internal evaluations to really demonstrate that we can um, uh, deliver a solution for the for the customer for that particular project. Uh, Shell operates a series of uh, gas fields in in Queensland, Australia. Yeah. Uh, they produce eight million tons a year of LNG but part of the process involves they have to dewater coal seams and that process generates an enormous amount of uh, wastewater and the industry as a whole has spent more than 100 million dollars over the last decade trying to develop a solution for for this wastewater so it's it's something that's been well understood we ha- we have a technology we acquired a number of years ago we've performed some piloting studies and we are able to demonstrate that we have a solution for this problem uh, essentially so we came out, came out uh, in early April and we sort of quantified this market knowing that we were going to sort of announce a feasibility study. We wanted to provide the market with uh, some metrics around the size. What's the addressable market here? And using our sort of in- internal estimates, we, we sort of calculated the size of that market is worth something like $300 million a year uh, to treat the wastewater generated from this one industry um, in Australia. And um, essentially, the largest player in that market um, is, is Shell. So we've got this enormous addressable market. We have the dominant market player in, in in Shell, and they've awarded us a feasibility study to be able to take that waste stream uh, and demonstrate that we could build a plant to essentially come up with a long term long term solution. And the value proposition is derived by. In our case, we can take this waste, we can treat it and produce saleable products. So all the waste ends up in product. It ends up in a lime product, a salt product, and a caustic product, all of which can be sold and generate revenue. But the real value is actually in the fact that you don't have to dispose of that waste. So this is regulated waste. You have to pay a levy to dispose of that waste. And the industry is highly regulated. So this is really a, a enormous captive opportunity for a company the size of uh, Parkway and it's an example of um, a large project, credible partner, highly complex and our business model as the technology solution provider, we would essentially, we wouldn't necessarily build or own that plant ourselves. There are you know, infrastructure type sort of investors that would be natural owners of these sorts of uh, plants, whether they're industry players, whether they're sort of, special purpose type sort of vehicles but we as the solution provider would capture a share of that value that's created and and without sort of putting too many too many metrics these 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 projects are in the order of you know in excess of a hundred million dollars a year um, sort of net benefit you know if you take away the current costs associated with managing that liability and you net off all the costs and add the revenue from the from the product sales they're the sorts of numbers we're talking about so to be able to capture a five, ten, twenty 10 20 percent Share of that value um, is in, in our view is thoroughly um, you know realistic expectation
1: well it, well it is if you throw five ten and, and twenty or twenty percent at it but what what what's the reality of this because you 're going and you you talk about providing a service as a consultant and consultancies generally tend to you know that, That's not a fantastic business model for, 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 for growth unless you, it's, you hire more consultants. So, how do you have the conversation with these industry partners and say, do you know what? We are going to net off an, uh, for you an extra 20, 50, 100 million a year. We'd like a percentage of that. That's going to be a new model for them, right? In the technology space, you kind of see it a bit. You are moving to a sort of technology type setup, but they're not going to be used to those sorts of conversations. So, have you had much joy in terms of saying we would? Don't worry about monthly retainer or fees. We'll take a percentage of the upside, or maybe a combination of both. Um, or is it just? Is it early days?
0: No, no, we, we're quite, quite, quite the way down that path. So, um, I guess a couple of distinctions to make. So we're most certainly not just a service provider. So we're a solution provider. This is technology that, um, is patented. It's technology we've developed over a very long period of time. And quite frankly, there's no other solution. So if the client wishes to capture this benefit over here that we're, uh, demonstrated to them works on scale, third party reviewed, and they wish to take, you know, uh, Benefit from that fifty or hundred million dollars in savings, then they'll need to engage us and our partners to help deliver a solution. And the terms of that, we will obviously negotiate in good faith. But that's, I think, quite a powerful negotiating yeah. explain position. Explain the
1: difference to me. That yeah, it, it is. So, but explain it for for people who may, who may not be okay with it, because you can you can trademark and register and patent whatever you want. Um, but the, the 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 bit that you said that was interesting, like no one else can do this. You're saying you're you're a market of one. So, the, the option for the market is one. So, there's a scarcity value to that. So, you're saying there's no competition for you? Is that what you're saying?
0: So, in, in, in certain markets, there are alternatives, but we deliberately, we're deliberately, you may have seen in our recent presentation, tackling projects that are complicated. And if there is an easy, low cost solution, we would encourage them to go use that. We would try and offer that ourselves. So, we're only going down this path where The pain is so significant. These problems are so uh, important to solve that we're investing time and energy. And part of that is we expect, you know, appropriate sort of, you know, recognition of the value we bring. And for those who aren't familiar, this sort of business model isn't actually unique in industrial sort of technology. So for people unfamiliar with the sector, for instance, several years ago, we entered into a global strategic partnership with Wally. And they routinely deliver technology based solutions to industry. Their business is the energy, chemical and resources. So an ideal partner for us. We have a global partnership with them and that's part of their business model. So they've transitioned from lump sum turnkey type sort of projects to why don't we deliver a little incremental capex project, save you costs, reduce your emissions and the value you save. um, We will capture a share of that. So they've actually assisted and guided us um, in bringing in a real domain expertise in developing these, um, you know, business models. And and in terms of the final part of your question, is there any pushback from our clients, you know? So we're going to give you guys a share of um, what we're making. Uh, the only uh, pushback we've had is they don't like the word royalty. They prefer if it was called a tolling fee. That's the extent of the negative uh, feed, feedback we have. So keep keeping in mind, this is value that they cannot capture uh, without us. This isn't value. This isn't an overriding royalty on a, streaming deal. This is revenue and, and savings we're generating for them only because we're working together with them. So
1: no that's why I used the word net it, earlier because I think it's an important distinction. Um okay so you mentioned three hundred million earlier in terms of this industry for this for this solution. Look, I I keep I keep coming back to quarters, quarterly sales one million dollars, right? Uh sub thirty million dollar company and um you know, I want to kind of, I want to see how this thing moves from the the theory or the you know the setting up phase, where you're setting yourself up for success or best uh, chance of success, through to how do you drive. The revenue. What, how does the revenue curve uh, accelerate forward? Because you know, otherwise, share price ain't going to move because people are saying, "Well, there's there's no growth component to this story." So, what's it what's it look like?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I guess it's all relative. I mean, just looking backwards, I guess sort of twelve months ago, we had a number of technologies, building out a team, and zero revenue. So, in terms of rapidly ramping up that up to you know million dollars in sales in the last quarter, uh, a feasibility study that our client is paying us six hundred thousand dollars. Uh, to do to a growing pipeline of opportunities I think that's uh, you know relatively speaking a bi- a big step up in sort of activity and moving forward i think as these projects advance in my view given how material these projects are a project that could be netting you you know ten twenty million dollars a year in earnings not in revenue um, being able to apply any sort of discount factor or multiple to that um, I think the market would you know, I don't want to sort of speculate on what, how the market would reward that, but I think that's quite attractive having sort of you know, been involved in a few sort of uh, – uh, I know the North American market, for instance, is particularly keen on sort of royalty markets. They, they, they like that sort of uh, upside exposure without necessarily being exposed to CapEx and cost overruns. So, I think there's a lot to like there. And then, in the meantime, the more conventional water treatment uh, part of our business, we've got visibility on getting that to the point where you know it'd be inappropriate to make financial forecasts, but we've got visibility in the near term that business being able to, you know, carry, carry the group essentially. So if this is a, a self-funding sort of tech company, as opposed to you know chasing rainbows and every six months doing a dilutive uh sort of capital raising and not to put too fine a point, I'm the largest individual shareholder of the company. I own ten percent of the company. So we haven't raised money, uh raised any funds in the last eighteen months. And if you look at our last quarterly burn, whilst a million dollars uh in revenue doesn't sound like a lot, our net burn for three months of operations, for three locations, thirty staff was, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars. And I think, you know, in public, in public company land, that's uh a, a lot of bang, bang for
1: buck, I think. Yeah, it, it it is, it is, and and to be commended, right? But I want I got to focus on this growth thing again because I I want I want to know: Do I put money into this because it we're at the we're at a stepping point for, for the for the business, right? You you go where others fear to tread. Uh, i get it um you the 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 kind of conventional commoditized part of the business can you know sustain you in terms of revenue i, I that, that that that's fine but i wanna s i wanna see how you go after the market how you drive this revenue component please. so if if, if and I'm sorry to bang on about yeah, sure. it. It's so so important, I think, um, for me to kind of get my head around um where this thing, where this thing is going to sort of see the the ambition for the company. So you've you've given us kind of a, a kind of case study there, which could be five, twenty million a a year um um of, of income. It's harder to sell to big companies, they take longer to make decisions, and they take longer to make decisions because they need to know. That you're not going to let them down because the knock-on effect for them could be significant if you get things wrong if your technology doesn't work. So there's a long lead time, right? So, and um, but maybe once you're in bed with them, it, it's a little bit it's a little bit easier. So what does this ramp up period look like? What are the other sectors or what are the other organisations that you're looking? To you know, get into bed with and how? What what is the conversion timeframe?
0: Sure. Yeah. No. Great. Great question. So it's something we try and sort of maintain uh, a bit of balance in the portfolio. But perhaps I could just walk you through a generic uh, sales cycle, if you like, from you know initial opportunity through to uh, perhaps an operating project. So. Uh, we have significant sort of inbound inquiries and a great network uh, within the company, sort of organic uh, sort of relationships around known problems that are complicated and we're very efficient at being able to screen these things. They have to be large enough, uh, compatible with our technologies, uh, credit-worthy partners. Um, all, the, all these things are very important to us. There's no point chasing projects that are immaterial or can't be financed. So, we're very ruthless in that regard. We then go through a series of de-risking exercise. So initially desktop, you know, uh, um, is there enough recoverable value here for us to uh, throw into our very limited uh, bandwidth? There's only a certain number of projects we can work on. And that's all, you know, sort of a couple of months perhaps. And if the project has legs, we will then often proceed to a small scale, bench scale piloting, send us a small sample, let's get a proof of concept. We can actually treat this as an initial. What we're trying to do is show that our technology doesn't work at that point, so we can pull the plug. So, if the project still stacks up, we then need to spend some serious time on the project. So, we'll prepare a proposal for the client. That could be like a scoping study. It could be like a pre-fease type study. And the costs are associated. That could be a couple of $100,000, three to six months' worth of work, where we essentially do some um, uh, technology de-risking type work. And from there, we then enter into full fees. So, the first technology uh, project that we've taken that full cycle through to a full feasibility study, which essentially leads to FID, um, is the is the shell project that was awarded a month or so ago. And that's a roughly 9-month uh, uh, process that's supported by our partners I listed earlier, Victoria University and Worley. And when we get to that stage, uh, we then enter some sort of you know commercial delivery model. And our uh our, our colleagues at Wardley will would transition from assisting us with the study to being a technology delivery partner. So and depending on what the what the model there is, we would then seek to uh, deliver the project. And I guess what's very important to us, we're sort of starting off with the end in mind. So often we're thinking, if this is a pr- problem that's so problematic for shell would they be interested in ultimately building and owning uh, or, or at least financing such a, a initiative and what might that be worth so we haven't provided uh, any guidance on that but for a project of this type subject to FID um it would typically be something like an 18 month turnaround to, to to build something commission something and then at that stage we would have some sort of KPIs that would enable us to essentially share in the value being created there, not to sort of dwell on that one example, but it's sort of one of the more public, uh, uh, we've provided some detail on that publicly, but I guess one thing to keep in mind is that's an industry-wide solution potentially. So, being able to deliver a solution for one customer means that conceivably this should be adopted by all the other players in the industry that are facing a similar challenge.
1: Okay, it, it, it is a good example. It's a big example. That's, that's the um, QGC um, deal you're referring to. There, um, you've, you've got what is it? You're, they're paying you what six hundred bucks in, 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 in fees, and there's nothing in the um, news release that talked about the potential upside component that, that, that I, I noted. Maybe I missed it, but when. It, Is there documentation of the potential upside? Because it gives a market indication to the market that, oh, this is how these guys could structure it. Oh, this is the potential upside. You need one. You just need one, don't you? You need one example. Out there.
0: Well, that's right. I mean, interestingly, actually, Shell actually asked us at this concurrently to be negotiating a term sheet. So, the idea on how this project might be delivered. So, that's very much sort uh, of without sort of divulging too many uh, confidences. We had a project meeting yesterday with them and we sat down and we developed a charter for how this project would be delivered under one team. Uh, so, this is not a desktop exercise where they've thrown, you know, a loose change to investigate and go down some rabbit holes. This is very much contemplated as subject to uh, attractive results and feasibility. There is no alternative. We will work with you and your partners to find a way to deliver this project. And you know, with a team of experienced engineers, that's you know very uplifting for the team. That you know, this this thing has legs. And and I guess uh, uh, there's other similar opportunities that we're working on that are similarly. Uh, Disruptive, but you know, if they get to the stage where they where uh, they get built, they will you know generate hundreds of millions of dollars worth of value. And I guess uh, the challenge there is, if these were easy, everybody would do them. So I guess we just have to be methodical in our approach and de-risk them systematically. And I guess. At the beginning of the call, we sort of outlined, you know, about the company and the team. And it's maybe just a good time to sort of introduce. So when I uh, became the managing director, the first thing I did is I built the team of experienced process engineers from major companies, Wally, Jacobs, who held principal engineering roles. So these guys are not intimidated by, you know, $1, 50, 100, million projects, uh, dealing with, you know, engineering contractors, dealing with, you know, a whole range of uh, stakeholders necessary to get these projects off the ground so we understand the challenge we understand the clients uh, we have the capabilities to take these projects through the feasibility study and when we transition to a delivery phase we're partnered with a global engineering company the whole way who can take the lead on that so it's a very deliberate I think a, a methodical approach um, and that's what I think convinced the likes of you know shell that you know uh, they didn't award the feasibility study to Worley they awarded it uh, to us, that so we've had to become an approved vendor. We went through ISO accreditation. You can imagine the due diligence required to be able to, you know, be awarded that.
1: You know, we, we've done the research on the team. It's, it's a good, strong team. Um, I'm, I haven't dug into the the, the products because, you, you know, I, 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 under, I understand that they, they work and I understand how you, you positioned it. Um, I'm just when I see situations like this and it's, it's all about the sales, right? And the way you structure the sales and the way you get remunerated. Uh, and big companies work in a specific way and you said something interesting there which was that you're going through a process with shell or through um, Qgc owned by predominantly by shell um to show that this thing works and that there's a kind of there's a net benefit to the company because um you know they they want to see that you want you want to see that and this isn't you said it's it's not just an, another one of these let's sort of have a look at it and we're looking at lots of other um, similar um, uh, companies in the same way, and we'll pick one at the end of it. You're saying you, you're the only one that can do for them what they need to do. So th- I mentioned that that need. W- what problem are they solving? Where's the pressure coming from for them to do this? Because these big companies don't tend to kind of get distracted on on small projects. They must believe it could potentially be important. So where's that pressure coming from on them? To deliver the solution in the way that you
0: can, yeah, for sure. So I guess uh, there's there's a couple of uh, components to that. So the starting point is there's um, over the life of these projects that have already been sanctioned. So there's roughly a 20 year remaining life. Those projects will generate enough wastewater that will contain five and a half million tons of salt that will need to be disposed of in Queensland. And the current uh, business as usual scenario involves Developing specially lined disposal facilities, crystallizing the uh, brine to produce salts and building that to a capacity where it can be maintained safely for more than 150 years. And after you've spent all that time and effort, you will then have to pay the government $170 per ton, not to dispose of it, just as a levy, because what you're essentially doing is leaving the state with a liability. That's the base case at the moment. And uh, part of their permitting conditions explicitly, this is all public information, states that if there is any form of beneficial reuse of this wastewater, you are obligated, as part of your license licensing conditions, to go and evaluate those options. So, in this particular case, not to sort of make it sort of sound like an ultimatum, I would suggest that you know if it's good enough for Shell to engage us to go and evaluate the feasibility of this option, you know, of this technology, it would be incumbent on others to, uh, you know, perhaps consider their options as well. So that's, that's the backdrop against the liability. And that's all public information. And the opportunity for Parkway and and Shell, quite frankly, is to be able to demonstrate that we are a globally responsible company. We understand our liabilities and the obligations we have to treat our waste streams, uh, sustainably. And here we are investing in new technology to, Essentially invest in the circular economy, convert these liabilities and wastes into beneficial products. And some of those sorts of um details that may emerge sort of in coming months is you know potential optakes for these products, for example, the potential sites for this location. So there's actually a site identified near infrastructure that you know would make sense to uh convert all these liabilities, treat them, produce products and sell them into uh, domestic market, so it really is a transformation from a horrible environmental legacy to something that really, you know, generates economic activity and is actually, you know, earnings accretive. This isn't, you know, spending money to just deal with your waste. This is very much an earnings accretive uh, uh, proposition we're putting to them.
1: Okay. That, that, okay. That's that's interesting it gives a kind of economic backdrop to that um with the goes through the, the the contract that i saw in the release it was a the feasibility studies for 12 months right um so again you say you have your current conversations about you know what remuneration packages could look like going forward and i know you're not at the point where you can disclose that and you and and, and uh it, it may maybe terms that of the of the agreement that you, you can't ever but um that's the kind of bit that the company would be so the market would be looking for from the company, um, because if the contracts are kind of short term, you know, how long or how, you know, how much of an annuity stream of cash can you get from projects like this ongoing would be a kind of question that I'd, I'd be keen to understand.
0: Yeah, for sure. So there's, there's really a whole spectrum. I mean, we worked um, on a project uh, relatively recently for a mining company, actually similar scale. So I don't want to draw too many parallels, but we've got a bit more information there for that particular project, we produced a byproduct that I probably shouldn't uh, disclose. But the mining company was reluctant, that that byproduct isn't their core business. So the issue for them was, we're not the natural owner of one of these water treatment plants, even though it makes great economic sense. So we actually explored a number of options. Does it make sense for a third party, for instance, to own and operate uh, this, you know, industrial infrastructure, if you will? And we actually entered into a you know collaboration with a let's call them some sort of diversified water treatment company that you know is much larger than we are, and they have the capacity to potentially own and operate uh, one of these plants, and we would simply be the technology solution provider. And the sorts of numbers that we're talking about in those scenario, in that scenario, the number we quote publicly is five to twenty percent. But I guess it's important to sort of of what you know, uh, what is, what does that apply to, and it's essentially. Uh, it's a you know non IFRS measure, but it's essentially in our view the net benefits. You know, if we net off all the costs of you know capital and and you know the foregone costs, what what does that sort of sum of those parts look like? Um and for us to capture a share of that. Importantly though, I guess um, we we can only have these discussions if we have a technology that's um, you know, very unique. If there's, if it's a commoditized solution, of course, the customer just wants to pay you for your goods and, and, and send you packing and and are not opportunities we're interested in.
1: No. Okay. So, and have you given guidance to the market about, you know, again, what, what you think is coming down the line? Is that is it hard to talk about because um, with software, I, I guess, and long lead times, et cetera, and the number of conversations going, it's hard to kind of give guidance on revenue, but um, do you think you'll kind of get to a point where you You can start talking to the market about what your expectations are.
0: For sure, for sure. I mean, you're right. I mean, we're only a very small company. We cap the 25 million dollars. But I guess as these projects become increasingly uh, significant, I mean, for a small company our size, you know, one or two million dollar project award, you know, sort of moves the needle. So uh, under ASX continuous disclosure, we'd of course have to uh, make those disclosures. But I think. you know, over the next six to twelve months, I think it'll be a very significant uptick in activity, and in terms of being able to disclose uh, material news. So, the last sort of going back, I mentioned I joined the company two and a half years ago. At the time, I was the only employee here, and so there was a whole lot of capability development, building a team around me, making a sort of acquisitions, uh, recapitalizing the company. So, uh, you know, that's that's quite a process uh, during COVID. But we're really at the stage now where we have operating divisions operating teams own technologies ongoing studies so I think we'll be able to have more confidence in being able to come out um, and provide some guidance the difficulty with guidance of course is these are lumpy projects these aren't sort of 20 projects worth a hundred thousand that if you won a couple more or lost a couple it wouldn't matter I mean these are projects where you know you're working with you know a fortune 500 company Fortune five hundred company that may pay two million dollars to do something to work on a hundred million dollar project. I mean, you're either going to get it or you're not going to get it. You know, Um, makes it a bit a bit difficult sometimes.
1: Yes, yeah, fairly binary in that in that sense. Um, because you know, you know, you 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 can do the more complex stuff, and maybe the companies don't necessarily want to go down that track. Um, I guess they they do have options in 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 a sense. Um, Maybe not the best solution, but a solution. Um. How do how do you can you you sort of productizing some of these some of the services and, and the technologies that you've got? But do you ever can do you think they're at a point where you can license them? Because again, in terms of scale you know, that may give you options. But is that something that you're looking at, have looked at and discounted? Where, where are you at?
0: Yeah, so so from a um, scalability and ramp-up sort of perspective, I see where the question's coming from. And I think I think it's a great question in terms of um, what's going to constrain us, you know, being able to roll this sort of out. So I think I think great question. We very deliberately structured this agreement with Wally um, at the beginning, you know, uh, when we've sort of first embarked on this journey. And that's, that's a great relationship. And what that does is it basically debottlenecks. The execution phase here so the idea that we need to sort of go partner with other people to help us deliver isn't actually a natural constraint our constraint is being able to take projects the bottleneck for us is there are more inquiries than we could possibly handle many times over so we have to screen them as uh, ruthlessly as we can and really work on projects where it's a large project the client has no other alternative that they literally have to tell us that, that you know they've gone through exhausted options And they have to be able to throw money at it to really uh, solve the problem. And if we're at that point, we take it through this sort of internal evaluation stage. But any of those projects that reach FID, let's say the Shell project in nine months reaches FID, reaches uh, a successful completion of the feasibility study, the board of of, of Shell reviews that, they decide to proceed uh, with that. There is no inherent constraint at that point in being able to deliver that project. Companies like Wally, deliver far larger and more complex projects all over the world routinely. So I don't think we'll go down the licensing path. There are some IP sort of challenges and developed IP that I've been involved in in the past with other technologies that uh, quite frankly, we'd rather not go there yet.
1: Yeah, that, that gets a bit messy. It gets a bit messy um hey well I enjoyed that um I learned a lot uh, which which is always good fun um we it would love you to kind of stay in touch with us as, as things progress certainly with the um with, with, with the shell project and um and uh, good, good luck with that and uh yeah we, we, we will definitely look forward to hearing from you again
0: yeah appreciate the opportunity thanks thanks for the questions Matt